Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle aged warriors, Chris Samino and Rick Summers. And as the song used to say, back in the saddle again, here we are, the middle-aged warriors. <laughs> yeah, the saddle sores finally healed, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome back to you, because I know you were away for for a little stretch time. I'm glad you got to catch breath a little bit, though. Yeah. From the pictures you posted on your mini vacation, I don't know that I want to call it a mini, but uh, it looks like you were running around and uh, covering a lot of territory. Well, it's more than many, yeah, that's for sure. Our our summer hiatus is over, but I did get the chance to do a little traveling. And after plans had changed, we ended up going to uh, basically uh, Barcelona. We had a, a layover for one night in Madrid. So it was Madrid, Barcelona, and then over to Croatia, which totally blew me away at how yeah. amazingly beautiful that country is. So we went from Split, which is in the north, down to Dubrovnik, which is in the south. Uh, we were on trains, planes, automobiles, boats. <laughs> it was, but it was it was really, really an amazing, amazing journey. And I highly recommend Croatia for its food, for its people, and and the scenery is just it's just one postcard after another. So I can't say enough good things about that. I was really, you know, sometimes you you look at these things and you think, oh, I'm really excited about. It. Hope it hope it works out. This turned out to be better than my expectations. Yeah. So that's yeah. always fun. well. I got to tell you, I take your recommendation very very seriously and very high. Um, and Croatia is definitely on our list of places to get to that bucket list that we, you know, continually talk about as middle-aged warriors, checking things off as we uh, check time off our calendar. I would recommend though, not doing it in July. <laughs> it's hot. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Because yeah, there's a lot of, of walking and things. And it's, I, I'd say the fall, they, they said the fall is really beautiful there as well as the, um, as the early spring, but We've By been the way, uh, while you were gone. Wait a hmm. sec. While you were gone, you know it hit 130 degrees in Death Valley. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, <laughs> almost an all-time record. Yeah, the heat. The heat's been on across the country, but you know, for us, it's back to work, and we've got a very special. We're coming back with a with a bang. I think today. This is this yeah, is a biggie. Absolutely. This is yeah. a biggie. This is, and in many cases, I'm, I'm sure a household name. I don't want to give it all away before we introduce her, but she was... Oh, give it away. Give well, it away. Well, the funny thing was, you did some research on this part, and I've known her for, for many, many years, yeah. but she was born in, in Melbourne, Australia, which I did not I know. know. I and did then, not know that. Yeah, and, and then raised in Arizona, graduate uh, from the University of Arizona, but then ended up becoming a lawyer, went to law school in, uh, I guess it was Georgetown University Law Center. And then, of course, moved on back into broadcasting, and guess what? I mean, she's been... Uh, at the Today Show at NBC now, I think for 10 years. You had stints at MSNBC, being a White House correspondent as well, was on the right, day, right, rundown, right. all that stuff. And uh, has written two children's books. Fairly recently was one of the hosts for a couple of weeks on Jeopardy. Right, right, right. Yes. We're going to ask her a little bit about we can, that. We can, we can hold her feet to the fire <laughs> in, form in, the, in the form of a in question. In the form of a question. I want to take a moment for our sponsor. July is underway and a great month for sports. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you can find it. From playoff games to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures. Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. 
So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Well, most folks know her from co-hosting the Today Show every morning alongside Hoda Kotb, but uh, let's welcome to the Middle Age Warriors, Savannah Guthrie. Hey, welcome. Savannah, Savannah, you finally made it here. You know, you were rather elusive, by the way. It was quite the chase to get you. Elusive? What are you talking about? You called and I said, yes, when? How quickly can we do this? No, you actually, you did. She, I, I admit you did say that, but- uh, I did, I'm easy. No, you're- Oh, you're, you go to uh -oh. There's now the a, truth comes out. <laughs> exactly, now we have to edit already. <laughs> anyway, I know you like the name of this podcast. That was I one do. of the things that sort of interested you. So do you feel like a middle-aged warrior or are you so busy you don't even have time to think about it? I do. No, I love middle-aged warrior or middle-aged princess or <laughs> I don't know. You know what I like about it? I just like that you're embracing middle age because I, um, I too embrace middle age. Mm -hmm. I think it's awesome. I definitely feel like it's the best time of my life. I feel really Aww. happy and fulfilled. And, you know, it's funny because middle age always had this negative connotation, like, well, Absolutely. middle age, well, yeah. it's the worst time and every, my back hurts and everything's going. <laughs> and you know what? My back does hurt, but yeah. I feel great. And you know what? I am a little more wrinkled mm -hmm. and my stomach is not flat, but I'm not sure it ever was. And I still feel great and I'm happy and, and I don't know, I just think it's the best. And I, I, that's why I think it's great that you guys are just like middle-aged. Yeah. So what I want to do take, um, cause I know you're tight on time, but I mean, your history going back is very interesting. I don't think everybody is aware of it. Now, obviously you started out in broadcasting and came out of, was it Arizona, University of Arizona? University of Arizona, yes, Arizona. I studied and Where was yes. your first? Where was your first TV job? What market was that? Well, I mean, that's a funny story. I went to Butte, Montana. Oh, lovely! One of the smallest local markets in the country, and it took me a long time to even get that job, and I was happy to get it. But I moved oh. up there. You know, they, it paid like twelve thousand dollars a year. Yeah. I moved yeah, that's about right. everything in the back <laughs> of my car. Never mm -hmm. had lived away from home actually, because I um, lived at home in college. Um, right. Anyway, so first time living away from home, started my job, worked there about 10 days, and then they closed the station. Oh closed my goodness. It. Are you kidding? Yeah, I mean, which is crazy because, you know, they should have, of course, known, hey, we're going to close the station in Probably. two days. We can let this kid who's 21 years old spend her life savings driving up here for a new job. But yeah. nevertheless, that happened. Lesson and, one. Mm -hmm. Yes, I was crushed. I was really crushed, but I basically did a big U turn moved back home mm -hmm. and back in with my mom. And um, I actually, at that moment, even just thought about even right then and there saying, what am I doing trying to be a TV reporter? Maybe I should just go do something more conventional, mm -hmm. like work in PR or right. Right. business or marketing or something. But I had a few more tapes back then. We sent tapes. You guys probably remember that. I remember that. Um, yeah. And I thought, well, I'm not going to let them go to waste. And I Heard about a couple of new other job openings, so I sent them, and sure enough, I got a job. So I feel my real first job was in Columbia, Missouri, which I, a few weeks later I moved. Um, is end of 1993 around Christmas time? I moved to Columbia, Missouri, and worked at the ABC affiliate there. Do you remember your first day on the job there, going out to cover whatever story it was, or were I you angry? I don't remember the very first day. I was the weekend anchor and a, and then I reported three days a week. But you know how it is in small markets. You do everything. So everything. I was, yeah. they call it one man band. So I was the camera operator, the editor. And the weekends when I anchored, 
I edited every single piece of videotape. I reported all the stories, shot all the stories, wrote all the scripts, rolled my own teleprompter. Wow. Absolutely right. everything. Yeah. But those things really are so vital in growing. And, and I think, you know, when you look back on them now, you say, wow, I'm glad I had that opportunity because it gives you a full understanding of how you got to where you got today. And you need all of those little integral parts to make that happen. My question to 100%. you, then you kind of moved on and I'm going to jump to the fact that you then went to law school when you, I guess you were working in DC. What, what and where did that come from? <laughs> Well, so I was I was kind of working in local news and I, I went from Missouri back to Tucson, Arizona, my hometown, and I was working mm -hmm. for a local affiliate there, the NBC station, anchoring the weekends. And I had been there about three, four years. And, you know, I was kind of at this turning point where I was, I knew it was either up or out. It was either try to get a job in a big market. That was a medium-sized market. So it was either try to go to get that big top 20 market or move on with your life and do something different. And I was really torn about it. Um, so even though my contract wasn't up in my local news job, I thought I'm going to take the LSAT. I'm going to think about law school. The scores are good for three years. I'll have it in my back pocket in case I don't get a job. And so I took the, the law school entrance exam, got my scores back and you know I did pretty well. So I, but <laughs> I let all surprised. the deadlines pass, you know, I like, I, I wasn't planning to apply to law school. I still was under contract. There was no way. Hmm. All the, this was in early 1999 and all the deadlines passed. And then a couple months, like late February, I, out of the blue, I get this letter from Georgetown Law, which happened to be the place I really would have wanted to go. Yeah. Um, and it said, our deadline passed, but we'll extend it for you if you would like to apply, which is just wow. insane. I don't even know how that happened. Yeah. And so I looked at it as a sign from above. I cobbled together an application. It's the only school I applied to. I sent it off. And sure enough, I got in and I didn't know what to do. I hemmed and hawed about it, but I just decided to go for it. And I went to law school. Wow. Smarty Let me ask you this. Um, mama, you have two kids. Don't let your babies grow up to be TV anchors or lawyers or both? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's funny because I actually, it's, I have to give a lot of credit to my mom because through all these things, she, she, of course she supported me, but she also, she always, no matter how these sort of risky things I was doing, she, mm -hmm. she supported me. She didn't say like, well, the safer thing would be yeah. X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. She was like, okay, I think you could do that. And, and it really meant a lot to me because my mom is not, she's not a big rah, rah mom. Mm -hmm. She was never that mom who was like, you could be a dancer. You could be a singer. You could do whatever you wanted. She was more the one who's like, I'm not sure you could do that. So for her to give that stamp of confidence and say, you know, you could do that. Or why don't you go for it? Why not, honey? If not now, when? Right. She really gave me a lot of confidence. So I remember in those days, she wasn't really rooting for either outcome. She was more <laughs> like, whichever one makes you happy, I can't make this decision for you. Just you decide. So now the topic, obviously, of, of the last 18 months, so approximately uh, the pandemic. For you personally, what were some of the, you know, the pluses and minuses coming through the pandemic? Considering, I mean, for you, you had to keep a public persona throughout, where many of us could yeah. sort of go and hide into a, a cave somewhere and disappear. What was that like for you? Well, I mean, I have to just say that, you know, by and large, you know, we have been just totally overwhelmed by 
you know, gratitude for how lucky we are. I think that, you know, I've seen how, how much, how privileged we are, you know, to, to be able to work from home, that we were able to have jobs to hold on to, that we had technology that our kids could use, you know, and um, continue to go to school. And so we really, um, in our family, I felt like we were untouched in a lot of ways by that. Rick, you're raising your hand. Yeah, I'm, I'm raising my hand because I'm wearing I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's how we signal to each other. I have to go to the yes. bathroom. No, yes, no. No. <laughs> no, I'm raising my hand because I want to I want to ask you as a middle-aged warrior, can you believe how much our technology has changed and allowed us to do the things that we can now do? And what's it like for your kids who will never know that it was any way different? You talk about sending out tapes for jobs years ago. I have boxes of tapes in my garage that I now have to sort through and get rid of. And uh, just talking about being a middle-aged warrior and all this technology, and did you find it overwhelming and daunting? I know. Well, they're so good at it now. And you do mm. realize, like, I, I think it was Steve Jobs who, when he was developing the iPhone and the iPad, he wanted it to be so intuitive that a toddler can do it. And a toddler can do it. Now, can we middle-aged warriors do it? That's another, that's an open question. But the kids, they really are. That's what you really realize is like how resilient they are and how adaptive. I mean, even technology aside, just wearing masks. I mean, right. my kids are just like, put on the masks and they would come home off the school bus and they, they still be wearing the masks inside our apartment. I'm like, you can take it off now. And they're like, oh yeah, sorry, I forgot. Like, you know, they just would get used to it. They didn't resent the masks or right. running around the playground they would keep the masks on which you know I mean it kind of broke your heart but it didn't break theirs you yeah. know so yeah I mean that's just it's a testament to how how um, adaptive and amazing kids are so you know I just feel for the pandemic I I was so personally we just felt really grateful and um and that we that we fared well and having more time with the family is a blessing um, oh, yeah. But I felt sad for our country and it was stressful covering it, you know, it was stressful, especially in those early days. And we didn't know, you know, right. and then today's show, it's like, you know, we're covering the news and we're asking those questions. And you know, my job is to ask Dr. Fauci or ask Vice President Pence or ask the Surgeon General. And every day was it was an onslaught and trying to mm. understand it and trying to be fair to the issues but also ask those challenging questions, but also have understanding of the context. And, you know, day after day after day, there were days where it got overwhelming, like, right. oh my gosh, I, you know, I don't know, I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. And that was one of the other things I was going to say, because in addition to, you know, the pandemic, we've been really through a crazy time as a nation. We had the Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, et cetera, et cetera. And I was considering starting a Be Me Up Scotty, There's No Intelligent Life movement, <laughs> because it was, it seemed like everything was just becoming unglued at the same time. How do you keep your reporting in check emotionally? How do you sort of detach you, Savannah, from Savannah now reporting this information to the nation? Well, I really, I, I think that's the job. I think mm -hmm. you just have to be, that's what, that's the professionalism that's required, you know? And I think I, I try really hard to unplug from it for a period of time when I'm off duty from work, obviously I keep my ear to the ground. I know what's happening in the news, but I've learned that I don't need to be on Twitter all day long mm. <laughs> looking at every single development. You know, I work a shift and then I wake up really early in the morning 
to catch up on everything I miss so that I can be present to my children and I can, can, you know, keep a tabs on my mental health so that I'm not overwhelmed and in despair about what may be going on in, in the country, whether it's in having to do with the pandemic or protests or mm -hmm. politics. So, you know, I try to like, kind of keep myself sane. And then in terms of, I, you know, I just look, I went to good old, you know, old school journalism school. And, you know, you, what you think about an issue is really not that relevant to doing mm. the job. You're supposed to actually intellectually gather the facts, gather the opinions on all sides, analyze them, present them. It's supposed to be dispassionate. I'm not actually supposed to right. be a part of that. You you can't totally divorce yourself from that. You know, you have your own filter because you, it's coming through As you. As the judge would say, the jury will disregard these prior comments, correct? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to, that, I, that's my aim. I'm, I, it's impossible, you know, every human being, you know, if you're a journalist, you're human. And so you have your own filters sure. um, and you have your own experience. And, but, but that's what you're supposed to do. But, you know, you I always know, think of it as like a doctor, you know, you don't, a doctor doesn't go into surgery and be like, oh, I like this person. I don't like this person. It's like, <laughs> you're like, I'm operating. This is a heart. It needs to have this procedure. And I'm going to do this procedure with the, this professionalism. It's like my now, feelings have nothing to do with it. Right. Well, in, in terms of, I mean, where we are today, people often criticize, obviously, the media in terms of being biased, you know, left, right, conservative, liberal. And there are people out there who are blatantly in broadcasting, who are blatantly taking a side. How do you deal with the criticism sometimes when you're just delivering information, but people think like it's coming from you, like you're just stating fact, but unfortunately that pisses some people off sometimes and they, mm -hmm. they label you a certain way. How do you, how do you emotionally deal with that? Yeah, it's that part. It can be frustrating. You know, I am biased in favor of facts. Right. Hello. <laughs> you know, what a concept. I, the I, truth. Wow. Yes, I am. Um, and I think because there's so much opinion out there, um, people have become accustomed to that. And so it is confusing for consumers of media, you know, in mm -hmm. fairness to people who are watching and listening you know, it's confusing. Like who are the straight reporters and who are the opinionators, right. you know? And so they think, you know, I think the, the lines have been blurred. So mm -hmm. it isn't always easy for uh, people who are watching and listening to make those distinctions. So I try to have some grace, you know, even though sure. it's frustrating for me to be, you know, if I ask a question of someone to be accused of having a bias or agreeing <laughs> with the premise of the question, like I'm asking the question, I'm not saying, I'm taking the position that, you know, the, the predicate of the question, I'm not, I'm just asking the question, but, mm -hmm. you know, the other thing about, I always say this about people, you know, where they're saying you're biased or whatever, what I often notice, I'm sure there are people in good faith who are really concerned about media bias, mm -hmm. but I think what you often find is that people who are complaining about bias aren't worried about your neutrality. They're worried that your bias doesn't match up with their bias. Right. Right. <laughs> Right. They don't mind if you're biased. They just want your bias to be like be their theirs. Bias. Right. That's right. I have a question for you because I know you've interviewed a litany of leaders and superstars. And what's the toughest interview you've ever done? I mean, I don't know. I would put a category of interviews as the toughest, which is, I think, interviewing presidents. Mm, you know, okay. interviewing presidents 
of whoever it is, whether it's Barack Obama or Donald Trump mm -hmm. or President Bush, although I don't, I think I interviewed President Bush after he left office. But to me, those are always the hardest because they're the highest profile. There's usually a time limit that makes it extra hard, gives it, um, you know, just that extra level of stress because you got to pack 10 pounds into a one pound bag. Right. And then, <laughs> you know, generally, I know you, you might be familiar with the less um, or the more colorful version of that saying. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. And then, this is the family podcast, right? Uh -huh. Yeah, sort of. Okay. Not then, really. Then the, you know, the, the, the topics, the policy is so complex. And it's if you you want to do an interview that challenges a president of the United States on policy, you have to be pretty deep. You have to know mm -hmm. your substance. You can't come in there um, right. thinking you're going to outsmart some president. You better know your stuff. And it's not about you. That's what I think was really um, for me. What I've tried to learn over the years is you know, you have to remember who you're an advocate for the facts. You're an advocate for eliciting the truth. It's not to showboat or right. be like, gotcha. It's like, what does it amount to? Sometimes I have young producers or newer producers who come in and they'll be like, see, and I think if that's a, that's a, that's a um, discrepancy or whatever. I'm like, yeah, it kind of is, but who cares? Right. What does it amount to? Right. Like, if it's, is it a distinction that matters? Or is it just like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a little something that like, you did say this, but it was really that, you know, like, are we just splitting hairs or does well, it amount to something that matters? But when people sit down to be interviewed and they're asked a question and then they don't answer the question and they dance around it and you ask it again and they dance around it again, and it's really your job to get the answer. And yet suddenly you turn into a villain because you're, you're just, I want the answer. If the person could clearly say, I'm not going to answer that question, then you move on. Yeah. But that's not what happens sometimes. Let's just leave it at that. Anyway, that's true. As if you're not busy <laughs> enough, uh, you're not busy enough as a mom and a wife and that little hosting thing you do on the Today Show. You had a shot yeah. for two weeks on hosting yeah. Jeopardy. What was that like? Oh, it was so fun, you guys. Actually, oh it was a good middle-aged warrior moment because they asked me <laughs> to do it. And I was, of course, really flattered and excited to do it. But then I almost said no because, you know, I it's out of my wheelhouse. I don't know how to do that. And I, I right before I kind of regretted saying yes, cause I was nervous and, uh. mm. but after I did it, it was hard and I did have to learn this whole new skill, but I was really glad I did it. And it made me realize it's good. To, it's good to get out of your comfort zone, make yourself do something. Yeah. Even if you feel you might fail, you know, it's good to try it. And I was really glad I did. And it was fun. It's super fast. And it's mm. just, it's, it was well, it's just fun. I would say that being a game show host, kind of like being a stand-up comic, once you do that, you can do anything. Mm. <laughs> it really forces you to think on your feet. But it I, does. Yeah, but I must say, I mean, I, I watched the, the first couple and you seemed very comfortable at what you were doing. You didn't, some people we've seen do that show hosting and they really seem like a fish out of water. You sort of, I got the feeling like, yeah, I'm not, and I'm not blowing hot air, you know, where right now. I'm just saying, like, I really, I really did get that impression that oh. you seem pretty comfortable. We're, it, we're, it was fun. You know, they, they taped 10 shows in two days. Everyone always finds oh, that to be a yeah. two days. Oh, yeah. I know. So you come in on a Monday, they kind of let you rehearse a little, like they teach you how to do it, where to look. Okay. These are where the red lights are, da, da, da. And then you come in the next day, you tape five shows. So that's the first week. And then you come in the next day do the next five shows, that's the second week. 
So wow. it's like Jeopardy boot camp. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> Having worked on a game show in my prior life, I know what a grind it is, but I also know from a production standpoint how great it is to have two days where boom, you knock everything out. And from a host standpoint, it's a lot of work, but it's two days of work or four days of work and you're done for the month. It's incredible. I mean, don't you wish your alarm didn't go off at 2 a.m. or whatever time it does <laughs> not for a bad you to gig. do the today show if you could not if you could bank those ahead of time, wouldn't that I be I would great? make that trade any day of the week. Nice work, yeah, nice, nice work if you can get it. Yeah. All right, we're, we're short on time. So we have this thing we call the lightning round. We're gonna ask you some quick questions, just quick answers. Don't think too hard about it. And it should be yeah. painless. Okay. So first question <laughs> is the first record or album you bought? Oh, um, uh, Journey Frontiers. Oh, it was oh, a tape wow. set. Well, first car you ever bought? Yeah, I remember it was a um, it was a it was a used car, a Mazda 1984 Mazda GLC. Oh, flashy, flashy! So happy! It was a stick shift. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, red, white, or rosé, or maybe something else. Oh, uh, I would say white, a Sancerre. But oh. I don't really drink wine anymore because now that I'm middle aged. Gives me a headache. Oh, I'm oh. a vodka soda. <laughs> okay, the really clear wine. Vodka. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. First concert you ever went to? Simple Minds. Wow. wow. Back in the 80s. Mid 80s, right? Yeah. yeah. Not that many Don't acts came to Tucson, Arizona. Just saying. Oh, that's true. You, you were out. Yeah, that's true. Home cooked meal or dinner out? I think a dinner out. I like to, oh. I like to get dressed up and go out. I like that. Let me ask you this. If you had a choice of beach or mountains, where would you go? You know, that's a toughie. I'm going to say beach, but I like to look at the beach. I don't like to be on the beach. <laughs> right. I don't like <laughs> You're one of those. sand in my underwear. I don't like to get sand. Yeah. And my Ooh. hair gets frizzy, but I like to look at the water. You're a yeah. beach lurker. Okay. Favorite, yes. sport, favorite sport and team? My favorite sport is tennis, and my favorite player is uh, Roger. Yeah. So you got to actually play in a little match against him, right? With Bill I Gates. Did. A charity match, yeah. Roger and Bill Gates versus me and Jack Sock. Oh my goodness. How much fun was that? It was amazing. I love Raj. Yeah. I can't lie. Yes, it's I know. It's embarrassing. We've, we've seen that. Mm -hmm. Pick up some pointers from him. Yeah. All right. Yeah, pointer, his pointer was, don't look, don't look at me, look at the ball, Savannah. That's what he right. said. <laughs> Imagine if you that. had a choice of skydiving or bungee jumping, would you do or neither? Neither. <laughs> neither. Sit around with a rosé. There you go. All right. Oh, I've got last question. Favorite weatherman? With <laughs> Samino. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, you know when somebody... Don't tell Roker. I was going to say, if that big boy hears that, he's going to be no. not so happy. No, now. I guess it's got to be Roker, but Chris, you're right up there. But Aww. thank you. You're, you're very kind. Well, you know who, who, um, whose favorite weatherman is Chris Cimino. His son. Nick, Nick Roker. That's right. Oh, I that love right? Nick. Oh, and yeah. Boy. Nick Roker will tell his dad, uh, Chris Cimino says it isn't going to rain today. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes, well, okay, if that's the case, then, then Chris can pay for your clothes and everything else yes. you want. And college and everything Chris. else. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So real oh, quick, uh, final thing, you're heading off to Japan soon. And I know that because a certain person that lives with me is heading there with you. What are you thinking heading? This is a very unusual type of approach to an Olympics, obviously. Uh, yeah. What are your feelings about it right now? 
it is. I mean, I, it's, I'm excited for the athletes who get to compete. They've mm. literally worked their whole lives for this. So I'm glad they're having their moment. It's unfortunate that it's in these circumstances that there's a pandemic that Japan in particular is continuing to struggle with it. It's in a state of emergency. So, you know, that's really unfortunate. And I hope that it's, can be conducted safely. That's the number one concern, you know, and I, I know NBC is working really hard to protect all of us who are going over to, to work the games. And that's, mm -hmm. that's what we can just hope for that. There's good competition that people can safely enjoy the games from home. I'm going to be spending a lot of time with your friend in mine, Edna, mm -hmm. <laughs> in a hotel room in Tokyo. I'll take good care of her. Bring her I'm, back I'm sure. Well, I know she can't I'm, get into too much trouble apparently because she can't go anywhere. So oh, yeah. uh... Well, yeah. I don't know. She can get in a little trouble with me. No, that's okay. Go. I trust you. Yeah, exactly. I can always make a little trouble, homegrown yeah. trouble. That's good trouble, though. That's good trouble. Hard games, such such. So, listen, uh, I want to say uh, thank you so much for carving time out. Your schedule is nuts, and the fact that you could sit down and talk with us about being middle aged and being a <laughs> warrior is just mm. above and beyond. And we so appreciate the time. I know you've known Chris for many years, and me, I'm kind of the new kid on the block, so to speak. Look at you but, calling uh, yourself a kid. <laughs> yeah, <you> know, <laughs> That's a stretch. I, I, he's Chris because I'm now signing things as old age warrior because <laughs> I just turned 61 and it's like, really? Really? Look how young and handsome you both are. Well, I'm, oh, I'm, sweet. I'm a longtime fan of Chris and now I'm a new fan of yours and I was really well, happy. Thank to, you. I actually said to Edna a long time ago, why doesn't Chris ever ask me to come on his podcast? So, <laughs> I'm so glad that me inviting myself on finally ended in this moment. And I'm that was, and I'm that was really once you heard, moment. yeah, once you heard that well, Meredith was on, that was it. That yeah, was gauntlet it. was down. What am I, chop liver? Chop liver, exactly. Yeah. No, seriously, though, uh, Savannah, thanks so much for doing this. We yeah, really, really, really appreciate it. And hopefully, uh, before the summer's out, we get to raise a glass uh, in person somewhere. I, I, I would really love Yeah, that would that. be nice. Right. Love it. Travel right. safe. I'll be watching from Japan. All okay. right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Well, there you go. Yeah. Another I mean, remarkable interview. She was a lot of fun. No, she is. She, and she's she's sweet, genuine, and smart. All wonderful qualities and beautiful. And it's um, you know, it was an honor to have her to take the time out to do this today. So I'm kind yeah. of I'm kind of pumped that we're coming back from a little bit of a hiatus, a little bit of a break uh, with a guest like her. So uh, again, thank you. Savannah, great job. Do well in Japan. Have fun. Yeah. I don't know how much fun they're going to have there as, as she's heading off uh, with, obviously, uh, you know, in truth, uh, Edmi, my my other half here, is uh, Savannah's makeup artist. So Excuse she'll be me. traveling with her. Your better half. I, did I say better half or other half? No, you said other half. No, I, I don't say better. Bet. No, I'm not giving her that kind of a crush. <laughs> I'm giving her that clown. No, I know. <laughs> Please, I don't want her head to get any bigger already with this whole thing. Yeah, really. But anyway, anyway. Uh, can't thank Savannah enough. Great job. Great information. Really an interesting path to uh, where she is today. And just a good insight into understanding some of the challenges, you know, in, in, you know, how you portray information and how you try to get the truth out. But yet it still sort of gets a little muddled sometimes. So uh, good job by her yeah. today. I hope we can have her back again because she was just a pleasure to talk to. Yeah, there's plenty. There's plenty more to discuss, I'm sure. Yeah. All right, Mr. Rick, uh, nice to see you. Nice to be back again together. And uh, we look forward to more shows ahead. Tell some friends, tell their friends to tell other friends about the Middle Age Warriors on the BD Podcast Network. 
which was produced at the Samino Studios in the New York City office, by the way. Well, with that, uh, sunshine always, Mr. Rick. Be good, feel good. Thanks for joining us on Believe. And once again, of course, our show was brought to you by Bet Online. That's a wrap, kids. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, preferably five stars, no begging. Uh, we're available also on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcast. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.